Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us today. So I've been writing or talking about politics for about 30 years now in several different states, Kentucky, Illinois, Maryland, Washington, D.C. at the national level, and of course here in Michigan. And I have to say, I don't think I've ever seen one of the major parties in any of those jurisdictions hit the lows that the Michigan Republican Party is dealing with right now. The party's not in control of any of our state branches of government, and now it's on the verge of bankruptcy. The financial situation has gotten so bad that the party filed a lawsuit against a trust that controls its former Lansing headquarters. It did that because it's in debt and in desperate need of making money. So it hopes to sell a building that technically isn't theirs to try to pay off those debts. Again, I've seen both parties, Democrats and Republicans, have tough times in other states and have to dig out, have to start from scratch. In Maryland, for instance, Democrats outnumber Republicans among registered voters almost eight to one. And yet, I've seen the Republican Party in that state pull itself up and win a gubernatorial election, get control of one of the houses of the legislature. It happens. There's a cycle that goes back and forth in terms of who's in power in states and when you're talking about these parties. But here in Michigan, we are at an unprecedented level of chaos and disruption in the Republican Party. And there's a lot of context for all of that. Michigan Republican Party Chair Christina Caramo, who's the person that former President Donald Trump backed for Secretary of State, if you'll remember, in 2022, may soon be ousted by her own party. That's because she's done a pretty bad job of raising money. And she's also sown a lot of division within the party. And if you were to remove Christina Caramo, there are big questions about, well, who would replace her? Who could even walk into the mess that's been created and rally the different factions in the party behind a better agenda? And what's at the root of all of this chaos within the Republican Party? Is this just about Karamo, or is this about the party itself? Is this about issues? Is this about the cleave that still exists between people who support Trump, who is going to be on the ballot next year, and people who think that's a real deviation from what Republican politics and conservatism stand for? That's where we want to begin the conversation today with these questions about our Republican Party. A little later in the hour, we're going to talk about the financial issues of the state party and how they might get sorted out. But before we get there, we want to dig into the bigger 
bigger questions, the bigger structural questions about the Republican Party. And to do that, we have two guests with us, both of whom say they want to remove Christina Caramo from her current position. Bree Mogenberg is the committee woman for District 2 of the state Republican Party. That includes Mount Pleasant. Uh, Bree, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning and thank you. Also with us is Vance Patrick. He is the chair of the Oakland County Republican Party. Vance, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having us today. So I'm going to start with some of those questions I was just asking in the open of the show. Vance, tell me why you are upset with Christina Caramo's leadership and why you think it's gotten to the point where she has to be removed from that position. Well, Stephen, it's just listening to your opening monologue, sell a building they don't own. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The It's unfortunate that we all supported Christina as a secretary of state candidate. And then when she was elected for this position, um, you get behind your leader. And unfortunately, nothing has happened since she took office. Unfortunately, the counties and congressional districts are pretty much taking on the burden of getting uh, fundraising and getting good candidates to run for this next election. Raising money was her um, primal goal. She said she was going to raise $50 million, and we're actually going in the other direction. We're in debt right now. So there's been a lot of uh, disappointment with um, with this administration, and I think we need to consider removing her to salvage what's left of uh, this next election cycle. Mm. Uh, Bree, you work in District 2, Mount Pleasant, kind of the center of the state, very different place than southeast Michigan. I wonder what things look like to you from that vantage point in inside uh, the Republican Party. Is this as much of a crisis as Vance is talking about in uh, District 2? You know, uh, I'm just going to 100% agree with what Vance said. And this is problematic everywhere, whether you're in Oakland, whether you're in Isabella County. And the bottom line that is the most important that people tend to overlook because we, we know that there's financial distress. And I don't think there's actually a good argument that can go along to say otherwise. However, way back in June... So I was on the Conflict Resolution Committee, the former Conflict Resolution Committee. Mm -hmm. And at that time over the summer, it was very clear when the executive director, who had not yet been in that role, had entered one of our meetings and very specifically spoke along with general counsel that they wanted to mandate and require the counties all to do the similar items that they were going to put into the bylaws. Now, Stop and think what you just asked me. Oakland versus Isabella County. Imagine that every county loses their autonomy and has to operate the exact same way. I'm sure Vance will agree. Oakland is not going to operate the same as Isabella County, right? You're comparing apples and oranges. And the bottom line is they're going after county autonomy. Uh, even this this trust in the house and the property that they're trying to sell Do you understand state committee has not actually received a copy of that lawsuit? State committee did not confirm this. We did not approve it. We did not even review it. And from what I have read, 
it specifically says in the lawsuit regarding the trust, the exclusive right to designate district political committees and county political committees. That is in the lawsuit. They are going after the counties. They are going after the districts. They want to determine which county, which counties and which districts will have which commi committee sitting in which place. And if you were to go back to the summer, one thing that I have shouted from the rooftops, they are going after the convention floor. They will try to stack the convention floor and they will try to do it through this process that I just read to you that is in the lawsuit mm. that they tried to push through conflict resolution and they failed. Mm. Uh, so I, I want to talk about the party and its values and its politics for just a little bit with both of you. Um, there, there is at the national level, of course, the, the, the narrative is framed as uh, uh, being about people who support former President Donald Trump and think he should have or did win uh, the, the, the 2020 uh, presidential election and, and probably want him to win again next year. And then there are, of course, the Republicans who say, look, this was a, a mistake, a disastrous one, and we should not go back in, in that direction. I want each of you to talk about how much that narrative uh, informs this fight that's going on in the Republican Party here in Michigan. I know it is right now a lot of the concerns are financial, but but lurking behind that, I think there is this dissonance, I guess, among uh, Republicans about what Republicanism is, what conservatism is, and what the party should should be standing for. Uh, Bree, uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with you. Yeah, thank you. And that's a really good point that you're bringing up to uh, address. When we stop and consider State Central Committee and the Michigan Republican Party, we have to keep in mind we are not a legislative branch of government. Okay, we are not the lawmakers. We are not the judges. We are an organization who has the job to seek the best suited candidates and to help get them elected. And when the Michigan Republican Party starts to choose that we're going to spend our efforts and time simply fighting the corruption, we're not doing our job. And let's be really clear with something. Until Republicans are elected and they get into the positions, nothing's going to happen differently about any of this. And so if that were the nutshell of what's taking place that is moving us in the wrong direction, our focus is not where it should be right now. Our focus needs to be on getting Republican candidates elected, not on battling corruption ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, Vance, uh, I wonder what you make of of the politics of this and the strain within the party over politics and policy that I think is is really at the root of this dissatisfaction with Christina Caramo. Well, you know, Stephen, you um, the. 2020 is so far in the rearview mirror and that we're not going to overturn that election. What we, what we really need to focus on what Bree said is, is making sure that this election will be secure and that there, we can um, have our election integrity people watching this election, our poll watchers and poll challengers, but really the, the Southern border and inflation is something that everybody wants to talk about. That's your, kitchen table topics and until we address those two things where this current presidential is is not 
addressing either one of those. So um, I think the Republican Party is ripe for picking right now, especially the fact that um, even in Michigan right now, uh, Trump is five points above Biden. Um, and then Trump just in Iowa is 51 percent has has a 51 percent margin. DeSantis at 19 and Haley at 16. So it sounds like Trump is going to be our nominee for the uh, for the 24 election. So, so I want to have both of you talk about if you could remove Christina Caramo as the chair of the party and choose someone else. Again, how would that work? Who would that be? There, there is this incredible kind of schism uh, among Republicans. Uh, you know, I have uh, lots of folks I know and are friends with who are who are Republicans who who are disgusted by by what's going on in the party, uh, but want to lead it to a different place. I don't think any of them could get elected to be the chair of the Republican Party, let alone get elected to uh, to the offices where they might make policy uh, decisions. So so I would really love to hear what each of you think uh, a, a path to different leadership would look like, and and I guess who would be at the end uh, of that path? The Vance, uh, go ahead. Well, real quick, Stephen, it, it, I think whoever takes on this role needs to instill trust to the donors and the Republican Party. Whoever takes on this role um, needs to be able to bridge the grassroots uh of our of the grassroots party part of our party as well as um the large donors again the the grassroots need the large donors because the grassroots have to have something to hand out and the donors pay for that so again there's a there's a delicate blend of of the grassroots and 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 donors and until we can instill trust to both sides that hey listen you know let's come together and let's win uh for 24 I, I I I can I, I agree with you. It, it is definitely a fractured party. So so g- give me a, a name or two. Somebody who you think can instill that trust or build that trust among both of those factions. Who's the kind of person even that you are thinking about? Well, I I don't even have any names to throw out there, uh, Stephen. I'm sure that'd be some raw meat for you, but <laughs> but but seriously, I think we're all we're all just looking at the problem that is directly in front of us and Christina is unfortunately, I mean, she was a friend of ours and we're just not moving in the right direction. Like Bree said, you can't just be laser focused on one thing. Hmm. Leading the Michigan Republican party is a broad task and fundraising should be the epicenter of what she needs to be doing right now. How can you support our candidates without fundraising? And in fact, Right now, the county parties and the congressional districts, they're fundraising and they're doing uh, candidate training on their own because there is no Michigan Republican Party. So um, we had a huge uh, fundraiser back in June. We actually had Donald Trump here. We had 3,000 people for a sit-down dinner. What that event has allowed us to do is hire a canvassing coordinator who's going out there door-knocking. We've had to purchase our own um, I-360 software to... Um, to get out there. And it's it's unfortunate that the county parties and the congressional districts have had to step up and infill where state parties should be doing some of the heavy lifting here. Hmm. Uh, Bree, give me a name. Uh, give me an idea of 
who you think might be able to lead the party better than Christina Caramo. I imagine that uh, you might be as reluctant as Vance to throw someone's name out there, but but I do have <laughs> right? to ask don't the question. Bree, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Vance, I won't. I won't. But Vance did nail it. And, you know, talking about having somebody essentially that's going to be able to bridge that divide. And I'll say this, that the most beautiful thing Christina has managed to do is that she has been able to unite all of these other factions of the Republican Party, these factions that otherwise were divided. And so if you look at the establishment, let's say you could say there's a couple of establishment factions, a couple of grassroots factions, mm-hmm. right? We would throw a sprinkle in some rhinos in there and all of that. We have all linked arms because we see that unity and collaboration is how we're going to pull this out of the gutter. And the candidate, if you will, that would potentially step in that position has got to be trusted. And they don't only have to be trusted, but they have to be willing to build a leadership team of every single faction. And that is how we're going to gain the donors. That's how we're going to get back all of the voters whom have been disenfranchised, who have been told they're demonizers, who have been told they must be Democrats or they're deep states. People don't want anything to do with that. And the last I knew, we need the voters to win. And when you look at Michigan, I believe that as a state, we have the most independent voters that there are. Those are people that we need to have a chair whom is drawing them in. We need to gather those voters together. And that's going to be the biggest quality the chair can have. And Vance, I'm going to I'm not going to disagree with you that fundraising is important, but at this point, let's imagine we don't raise any more funds. We still have to have the voters. And so we can essentially come to our counties and engage our counties to engage all of the voters amongst them. Mm. So, so Bree, you said something I think is, is really interesting and I want to, and I want to clarify it. Uh, you say Christina has unified uh, Republicans across some of these divides. I assume by that you mean unified against what she's done and 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 what she hasn't done. But but I wonder if you can talk about what you see that says to you that those factions are working together uh, and not still struggling over over who's going to be in control. Of course, absolutely. So thank you for asking me to clarify. When people say against Christina, I think it would be better stated to say for the growth of the Republican Party Mm. and these other factions. And I'll just give you an example. Sitting on conflict resolution, you know, there are two well-established establishment folks, if you will, that otherwise never would have worked together. And we were able to put together a bylaw bylaw amendment that would have been for conflict resolution, that would have removed her document in which she wanted to have the unilateral control. And so that that is what I refer to. And, you know, let's go a step further. We know that J.D. had ran uh, for the chair position. We know Scott Greenlee ran. We know Matt DiPerno ran. These are all people that have now been able to unite not to be against Christina, but rather to pull the party together. We see that we need to collaborate to gather our voters back up. That's the only way we're going to win. We have got to have the voters. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
I'm going to start right now with Brad in Rochester Hills has a really great idea to throw into the conversation here. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Great to be with you again. Hey, uh, as a, a Republican uh, that's uh, in northern Oakland County, uh, I appreciate what uh, Vance Patrick, uh, and, and who is representing uh, uh, our Republican uh, and, and seat, uh, and is doing. Uh, if uh, Christina Cromwell was to resign, I would uh, like to have uh, Mike Rogers has a ballot replacement, even though right now he's currently running for the Senate. And, and which uh, would hope to uh, outdo Alyssa Slocken, who's the incumbent, uh, or, or if it actually it's empty. Uh, last time I checked, yeah. uh, for right now, yeah. And uh, although Christina Cuomo does have some uh, two uh, good uh, valid points, if uh, nothing else, uh, in spite of any bad decisions that uh, she's uh, made, uh, one she's a uh, Christian and, and she takes her Christian faith seriously, just like I do with my Christian faith. And second, she's a patriotic American citizen, a valid Trump supporter, just like I am. But uh, maybe there does need to be a change if the Republican Party is going to make a comeback because it is uh, falling apart at the seams mm. as of now. Yeah. Uh, Brad, really appreciate the call and the ideas. Uh, uh, Bree and Vance, I'm going to put that name to you guys, uh, Mike Rogers, of course, a former congressman from here in Metro Detroit, uh, has announced that he's going to run for the Senate seat that will be open in 2024 when Debbie Stabenow uh, retires. This is somebody who, at least historically, has had an awful lot of respect inside the Republican Party. Is that the kind of person that you would like to see in, in charge? Is that the kind of leadership the party should be gradu- uh, gravitating towards. Bree, I'll start with you this time. Yeah, of course. So in regards to the candidates, well, of course, you know, we're not going to write, speak or endorse any candidates whatsoever. Right. <laughs> I-, I think there are a lot of candidates that we currently have. And Mike Rogers is one of those who have ideals for policies and they are ready to work on those. And they're not going to sit idly on the sidelines and just make that vote. They will press and they will actually do the work. And I do believe he's one of those candidates. Hmm. Uh, Vance, what did, what's your take on Mike Rogers? Well, well Mike Rogers, uh, I've met him many times. I've had him, uh, we've had him speak at uh, the Oakland County Party. Um, in fact, uh, July 10th, we're going to have um, a debate with all the Senate candidates out in Novi at the Suburban Showplace. So, Stephen, I invite you to participate in that with us. Um, but but Mike Rogers is pretty busy up until August primary. <laughs> I think he's laser-focused on uh, the Senate seat. But, you know, you were talking about, or, or excuse me, Brad was talking about Christian values that, that Christina um, talks about. And I am a Catholic as well and Christian values. But I tell you what, Republicans aren't just Christians. We have Muslim Republicans. We have black Republicans. We have Jewish Republicans. So one thing that Christina does is, unfortunately, she alienates a large part of the Republican Party by pushing just Christian values. Mm -hmm. You don't go into Dearborn and speak Christian values. You don't go to an Indian temple, a Buddhist temple, and speak about Christian values. You need everybody to pull the red lever in November. Mm. All of us are Republicans. It doesn't matter what faith you are. You're all welcome. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, that's a, it's it's refreshing to hear you say that, Vance, and I and I think that's absolutely uh, the right approach for the party. Uh, Brad, really appreciate the call and uh, the the questions and comments. Let's go next to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, what's on your mind? You there, Charlie? Nope, Charlie, you got to pay attention, bud. Uh, we'll come back to you. Let's go next to David in Detroit. David, what's on your mind? Morning, Stephen. Uh, thanks for this bizarre but interesting conversation. Uh, this, this feels like the, the natural culmination of a, a party that is structurally, morally, and intellectually bankrupt. And we've had nothing short of a secession of, of House speakers. You know, your, your guests have talked about primarily raising money and recruiting candidates. And the candidates that they've had running the Michigan legislature for a long, long time are now in a series of state and federal criminal investigations, there's sexual misconduct and all kinds of bizarre things going on. And I wonder if, if the, the way this system is designed in Michigan to have an exclusive duopoly on politics in this state uh, leads to this as being the natural culmination where the party is, is financially bankrupt and bankrupt on so many other uh, levels. Hmm. David, uh, really appreciate the call and the very provocative question. Uh, Vance and, and Bree, we haven't had a lot of discussion about uh, about these kind of issues. I think, uh, you know, look, uh, I would disagree with an awful lot of things uh, that you guys might uh, stand for uh, as Republicans. And there is this, uh, this kind of... Uh, uh, difficulty and 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 uh, controversy around the kind of things that Republicans are saying and doing these days I, I want to give you both a chance to to address what David is uh, is bringing up here uh, Vance we'll start with you this time well I, I the the Republican Party is conservative Christian values I mean yeah we, we say that all the time. But I think we're really looking for less government, and I think people just want to be left alone to do their own thing um, and just common sense things. And unfortunately, um, we're not getting that with, uh, with the, the, some of the things that we've got going on right now. I just, I just think that the, the current glo- uh, national, um, the, way the, rep- the way the Democrat Party is running the, the country right now, um, with the open southern border, uh, I just I don't think that that's the right way to go. And again, you see a lot of people that I'm a contractor and a lot of job sites that I go to. People find out I'm involved in politics and they want to talk about it. And it seems like everybody in the construction business um, is is for the Republican Party and, and they like what Donald Trump did for us uh, four years ago. So I think there's a, a big push to get back what we used to have energy independent. A secure border and low infl- uh, low uh, or, or no inflation, or I should say, a better economy. Mm. Ah, boy, I mean, I would, I would, of course, dive into lots of those things and take issue with I them, Vance. But, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm happy to have you here to to, to articulate them. I, mean, I think it's important to to hear, uh, you know, what what people on all sides of the political spectrum are thinking about these things. Uh, uh, Bree, go ahead and and address the things that that David is saying are kind of fundamentally broken 
about Republican beliefs and and politics. Uh, what what's your reaction to that? So I just want to say that um, I appreciate the caller, and there was a lot right there, right, to try to unpack in the, those couple of sentences. Yeah. One of the key components that we need to keep in mind as the Republican Party is our foundation and our platform is constitution and liberty. And that goes along with what Vance said when it comes down to religion. Uh, You know, when you look at Christianity and there are values in Christianity, but that does not mean that it's a requirement to be a Christian. And that would in fact be unconstitutional. And we can take Rola and Hassan and Ali, who are three of our vice chairs and they're Muslim. And so with that said, uh, let's go to something else that was touched on here. And essentially uh, the, the politicians that somehow end up, right, not being very fruitful, if you will, uh, to some good values. And the bottom line is we're all sinners in, in some matter or another. And I don't know about anybody else that's recently seen the Republican Party, but it's a mess. There's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of arrows that get slung at people. But the bottom line when it comes to the candidates is we need to look at those whom are going to stand for the Constitution and who are going to work for the liberties that we have. Now, here's a little something that I'm going to throw in, and I don't have to go into super depth on it. But where I sat in conflict resolution and when I, you know, way back in the summer again, was trying to scream to people, tell your legislators, you know, Christina Caramo is going to try to stack the convention floor with delegates. Mm. Now consider the voice of the voters and the voice of those that are voting for the candidates that will go on the ballot. If the Republican Party brings forward, let's say, the state party constitution that the delegates are going to vote on in August of 24, if those delegates are stacked because potentially the chairperson can determine which committees and which delegates will be acknowledged, like I just read to you in that lawsuit, What's going to happen to the voice of the voters and will the voters be disenfranchised Mm. if they no longer have a voice in those primary elections? If the Republican Party tries to take that away and leaves it simply to the delegates to choose the candidates, because where I've sat, that's exactly what I see happening with the current leadership and what they're pushing for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bree Mogenberg and Vance Patrick, I really do appreciate both of you coming on uh, to talk about what's going on in the Republican Party. I, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Absolutely. Thank you. We will be right back with more Detroit Today. We've been talking about the state Republican Party with two Republicans who want to remove Chair Christina Caramo, largely because the finances of the party are in such a bad state since she took over. Now I want to talk more broadly about that state party. How did the Republicans get to a point where they're in debt? Why do so many people want to blame Christina Caramo for that and have her removed as a result? And if she is removed, 
who might replace her. Neither of the Republicans who joined us wanted to talk too much about names. I kind of understand that discretion and the need for them not to be saying out on the public airwaves what they're thinking about in terms of candidates. But it's something that I think gets to something larger than personality. This isn't just about who leads the party next. It's about what that leadership looks like and what it takes the Republican Party to. That's where we want to continue the conversation here. And to discuss all of that, we've got Craig Mauger with us. He covers state government and politics for the Detroit News and has been covering what is going on in the Republican Party for some time. Craig, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks so much for having me this Monday. So, so let's start with what the financial state of the Republican Party is right now. Uh, at the open of the show, I talked about this incredible uh, series of decisions and uh, choices that uh, that the party faces just to stay solvent. How close is the party to bankruptcy? You know, they're very close to winding up in court with a bank seeking to recover funds. Whether that ultimately ends in a you know official bankruptcy or not, I think that's you know something that I can't really say. I'm not a financial expert in those type of matters. But her opponents, Karama's opponents, are saying that that they believe that it's very possible that the party ends up in bankruptcy. Some of that remains to be seen. What happens is the state party has hundreds of thousands of dollars in outstanding debts from 2022. So this is from the prior administration, but that's completely normal. What happens often is the Republican Party takes out loans uh, off a line of credit and uses that money in a heated election season and then takes in donations the next year to pay back the money and then begins fundraising for the next election cycle. Christina Caramo came into the chair position in February and didn't pay off the debt. And there, there were some funds left from Ron Weiser, the former chair. She didn't use those funds to pay down the debt. She used those funds for other things. And now she's found herself in a situation where the party has $500,000 in outstanding debt on its line of credit, uh, appears to be having problems making the interest payments on that debt, the minimum payments that Comerica Bank, the party has to make. And the bank has sent them a notice saying you've defaulted on your line of credit. Hmm. So what would that mean? For instance, whether it is, as you say, a legal bankruptcy, a, a filed bankruptcy, or just the state of the party not having enough resources to do what it needs to do. As I keep saying, we're just weeks from the beginning of 2024, an important election year. What would that look like if the party is unable to function, essentially, uh, during 2024? You know, that's the key question over all of this. What happens for Republican candidates? What happens for Republican causes that want to get involved? There will be other groups that are already springing up to try to fill the void that is left uh, by having a non-functional Michigan Republican Party. But as one of your callers said, and I think he said it uh, extremely accurately, we have a system that's built around two parties. There are special responsibilities under state law that are granted specifically to the Michigan Republican Party. 
Uh, there are tax advantages that the Michigan Republican Party has in, 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 in political spending. There are advantages in sending out mailers financially that the Michigan Republican Party has over other groups. If the Michigan Republican Party doesn't have any money to take advantage of, of those you know, special carve-outs that they have, that's going to hurt Republican candidates. And, and they can say, oh, the county party will fill this void. Um, the county parties can't completely fill the void that the Michigan Republican Party um, ha- has has kind of fit into over so many years. I mean, this is a party that has traditionally been funded to the tune of tens of millions of dollars by some of the biggest business names in this state. And now they're not giving and the party has no money. And it, it's it's not a position that I'm sure Republican candidates. Uh, the Republicans in the Michigan House who want to try to win back control of the House next year want to be in. Hmm. So what's the path forward look like here? A, how likely is it that Karamo gets removed? And if she does, who follows her? Who are some of the people who might be able to step in and send this in a different direction? And once you get to that stage... How likely is it that you could even recover at this point, given the the calendar and the, the, the speed with which the primaries and, and other decisions that voters are going to be making are, are coming at us? So a lot of big questions there. You know, taking the first one first, how likely is it that the state committee could vote to remove Christina Caramo? You know, I think at this point it's basically a coin toss. There are about 100 members of the state committee these are the people that are most likely the individuals that would support Christina Caramo. They are some of the most ardent grassroots backers of Donald Trump. They're really diehard people behind this party, and a lot of them are, are of the same mindset of Christina Caramo, as one of your callers kind of pointed out. Um, they like some of the, print, the positions that she takes. Um, they like some of the false claims she's pushed about the 2020 presidential election. It's going to be tough. These opponents that want to remove her, it is, despite the fact the party is in financial disarray, despite the fact that they've completely dropped the ball in preparing for the next election, it is far from a shoe-in that she gets removed in a vote in the next couple of weeks. It's mm. going to be a tough challenge to meet. As for who takes her place, one of the people looking at it was just on your airway a second ago, Vance Patrick. I mean, he kind of dodged that question. But <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> he's setting up. I, I, it seems like he's interested in this. I think there will be others, but he's definitely interested from what I'm being told. And and what's the, the chance to be able to, again, recover financially in time to give the kind of aid and support to candidates next year that the party is going to have to do? I've had conversations with Republicans in the state whose predictions for what will happen next November, both at the state and the national level, are unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, they're talking about massive losses that they think are possible, in part because of this kind of chaos. So is it too late? Uh, Is it impossible to stop that damage from happening, or are there things that they could uh, that they could quickly pull together that would send things in a different direction? Oh, I think it's it's not too late. I think it's far from too late. I, I think a couple of things on that. I mean, if you look at the polling, Donald Trump, uh, who is the likely Republican nominee for president, is still polling pretty well in Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's beating Democrat Joe Biden in some of the polls. 
as as we know, those of us who follow politics, if the top of the ticket is doing well for Republicans, it's probably going to help them further down ballot. So, I mean, there's a chance, even if Christina Caramo stays in there, that maybe the Republicans even have some victories under her because of, you know, some of this early strength that Donald Trump has shown in these polls. Secondly, you know, if they if they are able to remove Christina Caramo, I think pretty quickly you would see if, you know, uh, someone who is more favorable than favorable to the establishment establishment of the party gets in there. I think pretty quickly you'd see some large donations starting to flow to the party and pretty quickly some of these uh, kind of leadership teams that have been set up in places like the Oakland County Republican Party that have been set up, you know, in the Michigan Freedom Fund, the DeVos organization. I think you'd see some of those start helping to get the party up and running again. I think it would take place, you know, within a matter of months, really. I also want to talk just a little about the backdrop for all of this, the policy backdrop that's, I think, part of what's tearing the party up. I mean, you do have this schism that still exists between people who support Donald Trump, uh, you know, Vance Patrick, uh, said that he he can't wait for Donald Trump to be president again, and and in fact is somebody who believes that there were were hijinks in 2020 that uh, made uh, Joe Biden president and and delivered Donald Trump a loss. Uh, at the same time, I know just as many Republicans who would say, "Look, this is this has not been good for us. This has not been good for the country. We need to do something else." How much of that strain is what defines what's happening with Christina Caramo and the party uh, locally. I mean, I, I think the finance issue is tied in part to that yeah. schism, that, that, that the people who normally give a lot of money to the Republican Party are not happy with the politics. Yeah, I think there's there's still a lot of support for Donald Trump among all these different factions of the Michigan Republican Party. I think it, it has something to do, as I've written a lot of, about this and spilled a lot of ink about these different individuals involved, it seems to have something to do with the attachment to factual information and trying to operate within the reality of what is true and, and details of policy debates that are true and those that are not. I mean, you heard Vance Patrick bring up a couple of policy issues that are, you know, real issues that are that are being debated at a national level. Christina Caramo and some of her most ardent supporters, if you read comments she's been putting out, she's talking about the deep state. She's floating conspiracy theories still about the 2020 presidential election and about who these people are, who she claims are trying to remove her, that is part of some type of larger effort. Uh, to oust her because they don't want this brand of outsider politics coming in. And, and there's not a lot to back up any of what she's saying. I mean, the people that are trying to oust her are a lot of people that actually supported her just a few months ago. And a lot of them are ardent grassroots Republicans, just like she was. I, I think the debate is over, you know, this disagreement is over whether the Republican Party should be inclusive of Republicans welcome in the people that used to be involved in the Republican Party, welcome in the new people that are coming to the Republican Party and try to get those people to work together, or whether it should 
try to be divisive and say, you know, these people that used to fund the party, they're not welcomed here anymore because they're rhinos. That's what we've heard come out of Karamo's camp previously. Mm. Uh, so I also want to spend just a little time forecasting how all of this affects some specific races. Uh, yeah. I haven't had a chance to talk to you since Dan Kildee, who is uh, the 12th district uh, congressman now, used to be the 5th district, uh, decided that he's not going to run next year. Um, that puts uh, two, two uh, districts right next to each other, uh, that one and the, 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 the uh, district that Alyssa Slotkin is abandoning to run for Senate uh, a- a- as open seats. Uh, those are different districts than they used to, to look like. They are pretty competitive districts. Republicans, I think, nationally would be looking at those and saying, hey, these are opportunities for us to to pick up more seats, uh, perhaps. Uh, but uh, this trouble in the party is going to make that harder. What What is the likely effect, do you think, uh, on, on those kind of races from from all of this, all of this fighting? I think that People in D.C., the power brokers, the ones that make the decisions over which districts to invest in, I think it will at least give them a second thought about should we focus on these Michigan races when we have this wild card happening in the state party chair's office? I think that's really the impact. And and what those decisions will be will play out. I mean, there will be lots of money, I'm sure, for those races, but how much, to what degree do we see – you know, high place surrogates come into Michigan and campaign for, you know, someone like Tom Barrett, who's running in the flocking seat. From the standpoint of the U.S. Senate position that's, you know, open, we have an open U.S. Senate seat in the battleground state of Michigan, and it's not getting much national attention. I think the chair's race and kind of the inner party struggles are really having an impact there. If you are the national Republican, how much money do you want to spend on this U.S. Senate race in Michigan when you have a complete you know, unknown, a complete uh, jump ball happening in the Michigan Republican Party. I, yeah. I think those are questions that Republicans are asking themselves. Yeah. Okay. I should correct myself as well. Dan Kildee's new district is eight, not 12. And that shows that uh, each time we do this, I have to rememorize the map and I'm not quite there. Uh, okay. Craig Mogger, uh, politics reporter for the Detroit News. Always great to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Today's episode of Detroit Today was produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Nate Bender. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Editing and mixing is by Connor Anderson. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. Our podcast manager is David Lyons, and our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET Public Radio. If you love the conversations we have on Detroit Today, consider donating to WDET, the public radio station in Detroit that we call home. If you want to be a part of the conversation and call in, you can listen live every day on WDET.org or on the WDET mobile app. Or if you live in Southeast Michigan and still love listening to good old-fashioned radio like me, tune in to 1019 
FM。